To those who visit Mickey D's for their favorite breakfast item and then go somewhere else for coffee, give this Mickey D's brew a second chance. The glow up was real. Try any size iced coffee brewed with 100% Arabica beans for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with a savory sausage McMuffin with egg for $2.79. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Did you know that the ABV Podcast is sponsored by PreSonus Audio Electronics? They're a global pro audio company headquartered right here in Baton Rouge, and they've been making pro audio hardware and software for a long time. I've been using PreSonus gear since I started my first podcast back in 2011, and as a former employee of the company, I'm super excited to have these guys on board. And thanks to these shiny new mics they let us use, well, they're a big part of why we suddenly sound so damn good. PreSonus' deal is that they leverage all of their 25 years of professional recording studio manufacturing experience to make industry-standard pro audio tech available to both seasoned professionals and first-time hobbyists at a price that won't require you to sell your homebrew gear or list your doghouse on Airbnb. So check out PreSonus.com. They've got Bluetooth speakers, microphones, headphones, audio interfaces, and a whole lot more. Doesn't matter if you're a musician, live streamer, podcaster, DJ, or whatever, PreSonus has something for you. Even if you're not all that creative and just like to listen to any of the above and have it sound as good as possible, they're here for you wherever sound takes you. Conceived from a passion for craft beer and founded on the principles that everyone should have access to the market, Pelican Craft Brands founder Chris Pennegy rented a warehouse, bought a truck, and started selling craft beer. He put it all on the line for the little guy and to bring quality 100% American craft beer to the greater Baton Rouge area. And that's why I wanted to partner with Chris Pennegy and Pelican Craft Brands as a sponsor for my podcast. For more information on their portfolio, go online and visit pelicancraftbrands.com. Are you a fan of 80s and 90s pop culture and also like to collect cool glassware? Then you should check out my buddy Cliff Decatur's online store, hopsinthehollows.com. Featuring artwork from movies such as Friday, Trading Spaces, and even video game artwork from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, and also characters inspired by the Garbage Pail Kids. He's got you covered. Whatever your glassware needs, he can take care of it. Check out his online store at hopsinthehollows.com. When you're craving tacos, there's only one place that can take care of your needs, and that's Government Taco, located on 5621 Government Street right here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Happy Hour specials Monday through Friday from 4 p.m. until 7 p.m. And on Thursdays, it's Happy Hour all day long. That's right. From open to close, you can enjoy Happy Hour drink specials and Happy Hour bar snacks as well. Government Taco, where the right of the people to possess and enjoy tacos shall not be infringed. Craft beer, cocktails, wine, and spirits. We like drinking them, and we like talking about them, too. And we do both right here on the ABV Podcast. I am Chuck P. Glad to have you guys with me. 
on this episode. We are at Bite and Booze headquarters, I guess you could say, or the the Jada Cody Empire headquarters. You can call that as well. Jada Cody with me on this episode. What's up, Jay? Howdy, partner. What's up, man? Oh, just pouring some beer. Just pouring some beer. I like it. Uh, so this is a special episode we're doing with our good friend Hanson Rogers. Hanson, what's up, man? Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm glad you're here, sir. So Hanson had mentioned at some point that with the one million things that he is into in his life, craft beer just happened not to be on that list. So Jay and I said, well, buddy, we're going to change that. We're going to do a podcast, and we're going to introduce you to the world of craft beers. Jay's got a a great lineup of different styles we're going to do, and we're starting off with a basic style. This is a lager from Port Orleans. What's this one called, Jay? The Riverfront Lager. They claim it's New Orleans style, uh, and I think that they really just intend that to mean that it's uh, brewed in New Orleans, below sea level, and that it's a great, uh, just refreshing, easy-drinking, hot, new orleans summer day kind of a beer um a a lager so all beers are either lagers or ales the fundamental difference there is the yeast that is used lagers use a yeast that actually uh ferments at a colder temperature it goes to the bottom of the liquid rather than floating on the top of the liquid and it takes longer to do the fermentation an ale yeast is going to ferment hotter, faster, and on the top of the liquid. And basically, those are the, the, the beer is defined as a lager or an ale based on the yeast that is involved. So you can get super light, refreshing lagers, and you can actually get very dark lagers as well. You can get super light, blonde ales, and then you can get very heavy dark ales that gets into the stouts and the porters and things like that so both of them can really span the spectrum but generally speaking most of your mass-produced beers around the world are lagers all of your Budweiser's, Bud Light's, Michelob Ultra's, Heineken, Corona's and Dos Equis and Carlsberg and, and whatever those are all different types of lager. Wow. <laughs> so, so you already jet? Well, I, I mean, I never understood that it could break down to two. Then why do we have so many different? There's just different styles: the porters, the stouts. So, yes. and it the, comes down to ingredients. The historic German purity laws of beer would say, and we don't follow that because we're in America. Yeah, uh, but they would say that a beer consists of four ingredients: yeast that I just mentioned, water malts, which is your grains, and hops, which is a flavoring and bittering agent. And and, and preservative uh, in, in a lot of cases. And that's it. So anytime you do a tweak in the yeast or a tweak in the grains or a tweak in the hops, you're really kind of changing the style of beer. If you change the yeast, you're changing between a lager and an ale. If you change the amount of hops, you're getting into your pale ales and your IPAs or you're getting back to your blonde ales and things like that. If you change the, the grains, so Hanson, you're a coffee guy. Very much so. There's, uh, there, there's a blonde roast, a medium roast, a medium dark roast, a super dark roast. There's burnt, <laughs> right, when you're, when you're toasting your coffee grains. Beer or coffee beans, beer grains are essentially work the exact same way. 
you take that malted barley, you take the barley, and you toast it, or you roast it, or you burn it. And, and sometimes it's burned intentionally. It could be yeah. if you're truly making some sort of robust stout. Now, maybe you wouldn't use 100% like roasted to its maximum right. grains in one beer. You're going you're gonna to use a variety. Your, your mash bill is what they call that. The, the mash is basically the grains and the water cooking together to release all the sugars out of the grains, and then you pitch the yeast into that, and the yeast ferments the sugars from the grain and turns it into alcohol and carbon dioxide, right? Like basic fermentation. Yeah. Uh, I've done, I've done a brew before. I really didn't know right. what I was doing. I was following the directions. Yeah. It was fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> My little yeast so, cake went to the yeah. top. Cool. Yeah. You know, it was uh-huh. like, that's, that's pretty neat. But that was a, that was a white stout. And that was probably the introduction to white stouts, and I never really heard of them. They're not apparently popular, but uh, it's not a not a common thing that most breweries do. Some do it for a special release. Some do it just to like toy around with something. Or, mm-hmm. but white stout is definitely not something you would see out on the market. No, I, I believe me, I looked. They're, <laughs> no. they'll, they'll hand you a milk stout. You know, you'll get yeah. uh, something We've got close one of those to coming it. up later. Yeah, uh, yeah. which I'm, which I'm a fan of, but they're not they're not like the same thing like Lachine's putting out for their their white stout, which is still one of my favorite beers. And it's a good kind beer. Of, kind of what, what made me want to go down the the path of learning more about uh, craft beer because I, I went down that rabbit hole with coffee. I was like, you know, I've had a cu- cup of coffee that was good, and I've had a cup of coffee that was bad. I didn't know why. And I figured out why, and it was a deep rabbit hole. And now I can really appreciate good coffee, and unfortunately, can't hardly drink anything other than the best. It uh, will ruin you, you know, just drink you regular yourself. coffee for sure. Yeah, right. So I'm probably going to do the same thing with craft beer. Yeah, you might. Yeah. You might as well just ruin yourself with craft beer. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a good thing to ruin yourself. Yeah, that. absolutely. That's, that's the good way to do it. Um, so the Riverfront Lager from Port Orleans is what we're brewing right now. So that lager is going to be very light. Not dark whatsoever. All of the the mash bill, the grain bill in uh, this beer is is just going to be lightly toasted. You're not really pulling out a whole lot of bready character from it. It's just like light grains, cereal grains, a little bit. The sweetness is in there. Um, Get a little bit just, of caramel just from on the, the back. Yeah, maybe from like that malt. Yeah. When when you start doing, um, and I think probably the main beer style that we don't have today is getting that don't have exactly anyway is getting into like the amber ales or amber lagers of vienna style lager that's what a beta amber is i'm familiar with it okay yeah, that's, um, a, that's a go-to beach beer yeah for sure. so uh and and then that it the sister to that is is basically a, a bach a traditional german bach is really akin to an amber ale or that would be the same as an irish red ale um, a, a Bach is a lager, so it's like you're you're just working with different fermentation, different yeast at that point, but you're kind of playing with um, the grain. So a beta amber is actually a lager, not an ale, um, based on the fermentation. But the amber color of it is coming from the grains being more moderately toasted uh, and roasted, and like pulling it, kind of, almost like. When you're cooking a roux and you start to brown it a little bit and you start to get those nutty flavors and aromas and stuff, like that's what you're doing to the grains in an amber ale. Like mm. a, a, a lager like this Riverfront or a blonde ale is using flour without making a roux. Ah, 
That's there you go. That, that's a concept yeah, you can understand. I can, to- I can totally relate relate to that. This is this is really not bad. Like this no, is a crushable. Good, like I can sit on the beach all day long and not be mad about it. No, yeah, this is a good. You know, after a day of weeding, mm-hmm. you can just go ahead and just drink. Right. Pound a couple of these. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Spend Welcome, it. like that. She, yeah, she, she called. Did. She caught on to that. Yeah. <laughs> after a day of weeding, you need almost anything. Yes, I got confused. Yeah. Hanson was was talking about weeding with our, with our friend Brett Dunham over there in Lachine. I thought they were talking about actual like weeding out in the yard, but they were talking. Oh yeah, about like that was, in the garden. Yeah, but he was talking about a different type of weeding. Weeding that, out, that huh? Kind of stuff. Yeah, cut it with like a little mm. cutter thing. Yeah. So they were talking about it, and I was like, Oh, I'm still confused. Yeah, th- th- I was I was totally confused reading it because I th- they were saying like after a hard day's work I, you know I, I, that's that's stress relief if I come home and do some weeding and I'm like what are you talking about I'm getting stressed out just thinking about you weeding like and they were like no different kind of weeding there you go. it's that's still it. a different kind of that's yeah. vinyl that okay. I, I cut out and then I have to take the negative out so taking the negative of the vinyl is weeding and you use yeah. so they're talking like a graphic version of yes, weeding here yeah. not a garden version or a 420 version yeah. no definitely not a 420 version yeah that's, the, that's that's where my head went the whole time y'all were talking about like no not the garden wink wink I'm like okay so we're we're just calling it weeding now we're not really trying to hide it <laughs> We're what just going to put it right out on the front street. Here yeah. it is. What, what is this, Seattle? They, we don't have to worry about it anymore. We're just, no, Mom, I'm in, I'm in the backyard weeding. No. Now we're in the Pacific Northwest. We can just talk about things like that. Look at that. It's Colorado, man. You can yeah, do whatever really. you want. That's funny. I, I never even thought about being t- take that way whenever Brett mentioned it. Because yeah. uh, I just got finished weeding the, the, the stencil. And it's, uh, it's intricate. You have to be careful. Obviously, like this is a pin you know width of uh, a vinyl that i was trying to get out of there yeah at first i thought like this dude just just scraped all over his phone no vinyl man got a little vinyl i got her a vinyl cutter for a couple years ago and and, uh (laughs) welcome over there in the corner trying to be quiet Uh, all right so we've had the lager let's move on to beer number two there jay ah yes what are we drinking now sir well, we're going to go to uh, Gulfport, Mississippi, Chandelier Brewing Company, and we're going to drink a pineapple wheat. So this is going nice. to be a uh, wheat ale. So we are going to go from a lager to an ale here. That's one of the main differences. And then the other thing is um, anytime you have a, a wit or a white or a wheat, they're all the same. You'll hear Belgian wit. You'll hear... Uh, Hitachino's Nest White Ale out of Japan. Um, you'll uh, Blue Moon is uh, a wheat ale, right? So um, the main difference there is going to be in the grain bill, which much like you're a bourbon guy, right? Mm-hmm. So um, bourbon obviously has to be predominantly corn, but outside of that, distillers will use barley they'll use rice they'll they'll uh, maybe that's not too common but um but they'll use wheat they'll use rye right and and so a weeded bourbon a blanton something like that has its own characteristic a very rye heavy bourbon will have its own characteristic um so in the beer world you're really the, the first step to making whiskey or to making beer is really the same thing it's water it's grains and and it's yeast and you're just creating alcohol right like that that's the point now for whiskey you then have to go through a whole distillation process with beer you start to 
add flavoring ingredients, the hops, any adjuncts uh, or anything like that, and then and then you go from there. Um, but a wheat ale, it, much like a wheated bourbon, it, it's basically going to be barley and wheat, and that wheat is kind of going to soften it a little bit, give it a little bit more uh, or a, a different kind of a body, and and then that's where you kind of start to get some of the the more popular like citrus notes and things like that uh a lot of wheat ales like that or blue moon or brewed with citrus peel and coriander and those kind of things just to bring those kind of flavors out more this is uh the a pineapple wheat ale uh from chandelier brewing what's it called a uh, surf or the the highway 90 Surfside pineapple wheat this so is good yeah it's, yeah it's really good that's way better than a blue moon yes um, mm. like it's, Blue Moon's garbage. Yeah, yes. it's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, people like it. Sure. I mean, I'll drink it on a hot day it. if uh, that's all you're handing me. But I'd much rather you hand me this. Um, yeah, I saw Jay, Jay drink a Blue Moon once. <laughs> did I spit it out? <laughs> no. I don't even know if you finished it. Did I get? Did I get iced? No, you didn't did get I, iced. Did I get mooned? <laughs> you might did, have got mooned. Did we were he, at Brickyard. Did he eat the orange? Oh. Peel? <laughs> oh, that was that flavored blue moon. Yeah, this this was recently. Yep. Okay, yeah, they handed it to me, and I just had to try it. I did not finish it. Yeah, it was bad. Well, it was of course some. It was. It was some extra flavor to a blue moon. It was so sweet. And oh, look, let's take a shitty beer and make it even more shitty. Yeah. And there's some other stuff in it. That's great. Good I job. It does make it better. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, not good. Not good. I remember back in my dumb days, I didn't know any better. At first time I had a blue moon, I'm like, oh, this is pretty tasty. I'll drink this all time. Back yeah. in those days, there wasn't much to choose from, yeah. though. There, there, no, there, wasn't, there wasn't anything to compare it to, so it was the first flavored beer you got that yeah. wasn't uh, a wine cooler. No, it was that, and then I had a lining kugel, so I was like, this tastes just like Fruity Pebbles. Yeah. I'm going to drink the shit yeah. out of this. Those were the, That era is when, um, when I was going... My beer drinking was going from imported beer to craft beer, but it was really like a beta, you know? I mean, I, I was drinking a lot of Purple Haze, Turbo Dog, and a Gator, uh, a beta Amber, um, a beta Strawberry, when that was like the rage of rages. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then not too long after that, we started to get introduced to other craft beer from around the country it's stone uh the stone smoked porter the stone ipa uh lagunitas ipa beers like that that really kind of paved the way fat tire fat tire mm -hmm. although we couldn't get that in this market until it was too late to matter yeah unless you were lucky enough to be at the chimes and like if the server knew you kind of like were in that realm of beer drinking they'd be like hey man we got a we got a keg of it we just tapped in the back if you want so just keep doing it down low yeah i like that and you felt mm -hmm. super special yeah man i'm drinking that that but yeah. smoking the bandit beer. Ain't supposed to they be bootlegged it in. I drank a few of those when those hit the shelf. Uh, I was a little biased with the whole bicycle logo. So a lot of times we shot by label and we we're, were bicycle people. So we had to give the bicycle <laughs> like, a Man, shot. This yeah. is my beer. But it was, it's tasty. But I mean, it's not bad. Yeah. It just, it was such a niche thing because it wasn't available here. And then when it got here and you could walk into your neighborhood, neighborhood circle K and see it on the shelf, you're just like, eh, I don't really need it anymore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's the. The fat tire was a quintessential amber lager. Um, it it essentially was New Belgium's version of an Abita amber, yeah. uh, or their their rival to a Shiner Bach. You know, I mean, just an approachable, drinkable kind of amber colored, but really light, crisp beer. Yeah, a summer beer, good summer beer. 
some people get scared off a little bit by the color once you start to go to that amber shade. There's like, oh, I don't like dark beer, and and it can pa- be deceiving. Though part of that is well, the, it could be the 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 malt bill, the grains in those amber ales. Um, you you do you do get a little bit more sweetness out of it. You get more nuttiness out of it. You get uh, you know it, it just changes slightly, and people are used to. Now I find that some domestic loggers like like your Bud Lights, Coors Lights, like they get pretty sweet to me as well. Hmm. Um, just because it's nothing but grains. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's just grains and water. The amount of hops that are in it and the varieties of hops that they use are really subdued. It's really just like grained sugar water. Yeah, to I'm, me. I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of that. I can I can drink one or so, but it's uh, after that I'm yeah. ready to go to water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's better beers out there that you could be drinking for sure, and that's why you're here, Hanson. That's, and that's why I'm here, so we can help you with this. All right, Jay. Now, this next one, Hanson, one of Jay and I's favorite pale ales. This one's uh, frequented our house a couple of times. Um, nice. I think welcome picked it because of the can. Uh, the can art's great. Yeah. So we're about to drink the Commotion Pale Ale from Great Raft. Yeah, so this is uh, an American pale ale. Um, so now that we're getting to, um, to the, the pale ales, that's really going to signify that they're starting to use a little bit more hops in it uh and so uh when you when you go from a blonde ale or something like that to a pale ale you're you're still getting a pretty light grain bill not much different than what you would get out of a a traditional lager or um or a blonde ale but they're going to add more hops to it and hops these days are where the magic really comes from because the yep. varieties of hops that are out there and the way that the uh, the horticulturists and hop scientists out there have have crossbred hops and come up with new varieties of hops and new I mean they're just they're just creating hops to feed the craft beer market right now uh, that are you know intentionally being. Um, created bread produced whatever yeah. like they're the the plant scientists are are, <laughs> are making them change flavor profiles there so is there a scale like like a scoville scale like you can yeah. say this is how hot it is or can you look at this and say this is going to be this much on the hoppy scale? sure is yeah. so it's called ibus international bitterness units and it is a measure of how bitter which would be coming from the hop side. Yeah. Um, and most so, beers, will, they, they'll have that. Some, some will have it on the can. Others, they just won't have it. That's why I use the Untapped app. Yeah. It's a good way to keep track of beers that you're drinking. And also, breweries will put the information. They'll put what kind of hops are in it, the IBUs, the ABV on it. So that way you'll know. Some, some breweries put all that information on the can. Some don't. I've seen that on the can. I just had no clue what it was. Yes. So the, this can of Commotion American Pale Ale actually does say uh, 49 IBUs. So that's kind of low. Yeah. So what's high? Like, What is high? I honestly haven't paid enough attention would, to that scale I mean, I to know how it ranges. Anything over 75 maybe? Okay. So we, it's, it's a pretty – it's like up just to a 100? Is that like – It goes over 100. Goes I mean, 100? it just depends on like – the type of hop that you're using when you put it in during the brew process to where you want that hoppiness to hit you it's it it's just it just depends but the the lower the anything under 50 is kind of you know subtle 
you'll, you'll get it, but it won't smack you in the face on anything over that. Specifically for anyone that's not used to drink drinking a hoppy beer, it'll, you know, it could be a little tough on you. Okay, let's roll, dudes. And I'm going 10, 30, 65 in a 45 zone. Yo, why's my gas tank on E? Oh, and hello, officer. Wait, what? I'm losing my license. I'll lose my job. And here come the court costs. Oh, man, that's the thing about pedal to the metal, dude. You speed, you lose. Slow down. Driving is no game. A message from Virginia DMV. So the IBU scale is really um, kind of to out of 100. So 49 is going to be right in the middle. It's going to be moderately bitter, moderately hoppy, but not excessively hopped. Um, the the wheat beer that we had earlier, uh, that probably clocked in pretty low IBUs because it's really getting its flavor from the, the wheat and the pineapple, and it's not relying on any hops there or any bitterness. Um, but once you start to get into the American Pale Ales, the the other IPAs out there, and then uh, especially when you get to into double IPAs, which we are going to try one, that's when you start to really get more into that where Chuck was saying like 75, 80, if you're approaching 100 is when you're really getting... So you just want to start chewing before you swallow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So commotion... I remember one time, Jay, we were doing a podcast at Brenton Day's house. Uh-huh. And it was... We were doing a comparison between commotion and on V. Yep. And then we did a uh, comparison with Ghost and Grace and Grace Grit. Grace and Grit, yeah. And I remember the pictures because both beers looked very similar. Mm-hmm. It was kind of weird how they were both the same styles, but just everybody brews their beers differently. And the fact that these two these two beers we were trying, four beers we were trying, looked so much alike. We were I was just kind of blown away by that. But commotion is one that if I see it on tap somewhere, I'm, I'm normally going to get it. If the you know if the rest of the selection is looking abysmal. Which, you know, you find that a lot. But I'm glad to see that you've had this already and you've tried it, so you're familiar with it. Yeah, it, it, is, it is one we bought a few times. Um, I really think it's because she likes the can. Um, that's, the art works great on it. That's, that's how she shops. And you, you finished yours before Jay and I finished ours. How about that? Mm, guess I need to drink faster. I guess we do, Jay. Um, so what you should get out of this is um, maybe a little, a little bit more dryness on the back end than um, some of the other beers that we've tried so far. Uh, a little bit less just like grainy sweetness and a little bit more of that um, of, of the hops. Now, these are going to be pretty citrusy hops in here, uh, and, and it's a pretty hazy, juicy beer. Um, or it's getting in, going in that direction, and so you know, you probably some orange or tangerine or grapefruit is kind of what you'd be starting to pick up on the back end. Is that really what they mean by juicy? Because that's definitely one of the terms I hear thrown out that mm-hmm. I really don't understand yeah. when they say you know it's juicy. It's like like yeah. grapefruit. It, you know, like is that, yeah, am I gonna get so notes it, of that? It really. I mean, they are brewing beers right now where the the way that they're brewing it, the grain bill that they use, and and especially the hop profile file that they use is just turning out beers that drink like sunny delight yeah like it's like a mimosa they're juicy 
and that New England style hazy IPA that has really been big time popularized uh, with like Jucifer from Gnarly Barley and and, um, and Ghost Ghost of the Machines uh, both cool cans, uh, double by IPA the way. yeah Holy Roller <laughs> out of uh, Urban South like those are all just like juicy hazy IPAs is so how they would what is ha- what does hazy mean in flavor so so hazy truly is referring to the fact that they are not filtering it so rather than a crystal clear Bud Light esque beer that that's just you know that that you can see right through a hazy beer is just unfiltered where it becomes opaque it becomes more like orange juice is where you can't see through it and so that that's really what that's referring to traditionally almost all beers had been getting filtered at some point and then they started making these IPAs that they really kind of wanted the the solids in there to stay and to create that is there a mouthfeel difference taste mm, difference a, certainly a yeah. mouthfeel difference um you can get a, a, a little bit thicker coats your mouth a little bit more um doesn't uh doesn't just evaporate as quickly awesome lingers a little bit i've been very we'll, curious about that we'll get to some yeah you'll find out <laughs> uh, we mentioned juicefer from gnarly barley uh a minute ago I want to give a shout-out to Gnarly Barley. They just won six medals and what? won Louisiana Brewery, Brewery of the Year from the New York International Beer Competition. That's awesome. So shout-out to them. They got a gold medal for the Corova Milk Porter. They Good got beer. a silver medal for Juicifer. They got a silver medal for Coconut Juicifer. They got a silver for the Hypnic Jerk. And they got a, sil- uh, they got a gold for the Lost Carnival. Now, that Lost Carnival is amazing. Mm. That beer is so nice. good. So, congrats. And that's their collaboration with Miel. So, oh, nice. Yeah, so congrats to Noli Barley for all the accolades, man. Well-deserved. Yeah. Such a great beer. Hard work pays off. Yeah, dude. And they're so consistent with what they do. Like, I don't think I've had, like, a beer where I've just been like, nah, I don't really care for this beer. Everything they put out, I've, I've liked. So... Apparently, I haven't had enough of theirs. I've had a couple of those that you just mentioned, but there were. If you see, if you're out and about in a bar and you see the Catahoula Common, I've had it. That's a, that's a good beer, and the Radical Rye PA, two great beers that don't get enough attention. Absolutely, those are two of Gnarly Barley's flagships. That, yeah. those two and the Corova Milk Porter yep. are the the three beers that they started with, and then when they came out with Juicifer, it just blew up. Yeah, and, it did, and it is really the beer that I mean that truly put them on the map outside of. The beer lovers and and outside of you know the Hammond and and the North Shore area, it's good stuff. All right, good ready? Stuff. Yep. Nice. We're now going to Urban South Brewing in New Orleans, but not a beer that a lot of people would have expected me to pull out because uh, this was one of their tap room only releases, I believe. I don't it might, know if I've had this one. It, it may have been out there in the market somewhere, um, but the beer is called Throwback Vibes. It looks very Saved by the Bells 90s esque. Oh, Look like a trapper keeper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, and what they're throwing back to is actually the old West Coast style IPA. Yeah. Uh, and so I wanted to I wanted to throw an IPA in here while we're having a little beer education uh, to go back to the West Coast style. Now the the India Pale Ale. Um, a lot of people tell stories about where it came from. Uh, it, it, it was it was really a, a, an English beer style, 
um, and the hops were being used as a preservative yes. mainly. For when they is, travel across the ocean. Yeah, is, is the main story. When the, the story goes, and I've heard that there are disputes to the story, that yeah. it's really named after like more like the... Uh, trading companies or something like that. But anyway, the, the stories all go that when, when the British were loading their ships up with ale and stuff for the voyage to their new colonies in India, and they would have to sail all the way around Africa to get over to India, that the beer was going bad. And so they loaded it up with hops as a preservative so that it could make that trip all the way to India. And so they, they called that beer that was excessively hopped an India pale ale because it was making the trip to India. Now, I've also heard people say, nah, that's kind of BS. Yeah. That it got its name some other way. Well, it sure fits well. I like it does the story well. yeah, regardless. Yeah. The, story, the story is good. <laughs> and, and the original India pale ales are, are really like English or British IPAs. Yeah. Uh, the American pale ale, which is the commotion that we just drank, is is kind of that next version and then there's essentially the american ipa and double ipa starts going you know just way more hoppy than yep. and and very intentionally hoppy to be out of balance to say we don't want this to taste like grains at all we want it to taste like hops yeah uh, the west coast of the United States and the Pacific Northwest is where most of the hops get grown. Uh, Oregon, Washington State, Idaho, off the coast a little bit. Not, not, not quite the same regions as wine country, but, um, but colder climates. Uh, so northern Germany and places like that, are where, and, and, uh, and Belgium is where the hops would be coming from in Europe. Uh, Pacific Northwest here. And, and hops are a vine. They, they, they grow that way. Anyway, um, what the brewers that were pioneering the craft beer world in California and Seattle and Portland, Oregon were doing was dumping an excessive amount of hops and almost having a challenge to see who could make the hoppiest beer. Yeah. And, and um, out of San Francisco, um, Sierra Nevada was one of the first ones that really started to popularize the style. Out of San Diego, Stone Brewing Company and the Stone IPA really took off. Lagunitas uh, IPA out of that area was pretty huge. Russian River ended up being yeah. really big with Pliny. Yeah, and that's uh, yeah the Napa Valley area. Um, Elysian uh, and some of those oh, up in, in uh, Seattle. Yeah. Uh, and so so anyway, they were all making this this west coast ipa that the hops rather than being citrusy and juicy or or those kind of flavors they were really piney and resiny and and like dank right and so when when you when your introduction to an ipa was a stone ipa and you were just like whoa like that's that's <laughs> yeah. not sunny delight that's no. like like a pine cone yeah. <laughs> to some people. Like chewing nature. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very earthy. But it's a style. That's what the first IPAs, IPAs I drank were stone in Sierra Nevada. So that's all I knew. And then when I started getting introduced to the, the New England IPAs, which are the, your, your citrusy, juicier IPAs, complete like day and night. It's like, holy shit, this one's super danky. This one's like I'm drinking orange juice. Like what the hell? But – 
for some odd reason, that style just exploded. Like, mm-hmm. that became the predominant IPA style. Every brewery wanted to brew, and every consumer wanted to drink. They wanted the juice bomb. They wanted the haziness. They wanted that that grapefruit, that orange, that citrus flavor in there. But the the West Coast style is a style Jay and I always talk about. Like, every now and then, we just need a really good, dank West Coast IPA just to remind us of, like, what you know, hoppy to, is. Yeah, just to get a break <laughs> yeah. from all the all the juice craze, you know? Right. Not that we don't like it, but it's like every now and then it's good to go back to your roots. Yeah. So with with the hops, are there different varieties that mm-hmm. give the flavor, or is it just the same thing grown different places like Arabica it's, coffee beans? It's so it's varieties. Yeah. Different varieties. Yeah. It's it's all different varieties of the the same type of plant i guess is the way you would say it uh, i'm sure scientists have a better way to explain sure. it but um but yeah it's all the same family of plant but there are just that many different varieties so it's like bamboo in that sense then mm. yeah. yeah and there are like like jay said there's so many different new varieties they're like crossbreeding different styles new zealand hops are a big thing right now a lot of people are using new zealand hops in their beers uh, which give it some different flavor profiles as well but I, I feel like that's just going to get even more and more experimental, and you're going to be seeing. I, I don't know what the next craze is going to be. The, the juice craze is going to be here for. I mean, that's not going anywhere. Yeah. But I'm wondering if there's another. I like somebody's going to come up with a different kind of unique hop profile or flavor. Like, what is that next step going to be? Who knows? I'd almost say it's like uh, it's like grapes. Like all wine grapes grow on a vine. And they're they're all grapes. Yeah. But they're the the difference in flavors and varieties and colors and everything of grapes is crazy. And humans have spent thousands of years cultivating grapes to make the kind of wine that they want it to. And like yeah, Malbec and Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot and Pinot Noir, uh, you know, or just go over to the you know, the Chardonnays and the whatever. Like the Italians do it differently. But it's they're all grapes, but they all produce extremely different types of wine. And so hops are the same kind of thing. It's, they're all hops, but people have found different varietals, different strains, different ways of cultivating them, crossbreeding them, doing all these things that, that you know, and, and the terroir of it, uh, just like wine, the soil conditions, the water conditions will give different flavors. And so now that that sort of consumer demand, brewer demand, and the science and the, the agriculture is there to support it. It's just going crazy with people asking for different varieties of hops. Athlon Insurance here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana is committed to letting you live your life your way. They have access to many different carriers of home, auto, and life insurance and are prepared to find the plan that meets your expectations and the needs of your family. For more information, you can visit them online at athloninsurance.com or you can give them a call at 225-366-7530 and let Dwayne Moran and his trained staff take care of your needs at Athlon Insurance. Cafecito Coffee Roasters work with farmers and importers to carefully select unique coffees from some of the top farms and co-ops in the world. They roast daily on a small batch roaster that gives them the freedom to manually control all stages of the roasting process. To learn more about their coffees and subscribe to their coffee subscription service, visit them online at cafecito.com. That's C-A-F-E-C-I-T-E-A-U-X.com. Cafecito Coffee Roasters. So where's the sour come in on those ingredients? So 
we're ha- we haven't gotten to a sour yet. We're about to. All right. We'll hold that question for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. So, so generally speaking, you are going to have the you're going to have bitter and you're going to have sour, and those are distinctively two different things. Sure. And in food and cooking and things like that, they should also be two different things. They can be similar at times, but um, your hops and your IPAs and things like that should be leading towards a a bitterness. To get sours, you're using different, uh, usually sour fruits, and then also different, you're introducing different bacteria into the brewing process. You're using different yeast strains, but you're, you're actually, most of the time, a true sour program. They are, um, they are, they are essentially manipulating the fermentation process to create byproducts other than CO2 that are giving you that sour flavor. Oh, wow. I never would have guessed that out of 100 guesses. Huh. I would have thought it would have been like something they added to it. Like it's just like a, you know, here's some juice concentrate and yeah. that's where that sour so is coming from. So some of the more modern quick sours are, are more like that. Most of your gozas out there are more like that. Like, the 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 breweries that are really serious about doing sour ales do it in a separate brewery because that if that bacteria ended up getting introduced to their pale ale it would ruin it and that's like a scrub the tank start over kind of right thing. absolutely because once it once it gets in there and, and is part of that fermentation process and is multiplying and is eating the sugars and fermenting you're never going to get that flavor back mm. so it's usually done in like a brewery will have a different sour room and that that bacteria will only stay in there and yeah. like they get serious about it so if, if the brewery isn't doing that if it's not a sour-only brewery or they don't have, like, a different wing of their brewery that's their souring program, then they're, then they're really doing more of the quick sours, the gozas, yeah. the, the beers like that, that that are more getting it from, like, a fruit or something along those lines. They use a lactobacillus. Yes. Which is a quicker way to, uh, I guess, get it to ferment where the temperature doesn't shift as crazy as... Uh, as it would if you were using actual bacteria. And just that way, if you use that form, you're not having to worry about contaminating your brewery. You can, you can use that in your brewery. As opposed to like NOLA Brewing in New Orleans built a separate room to do their sours using the true, the, the true process of the bacteria and stuff. And then a lot of them use fruit pur- purees, but those can get tricky because if you pr- the fruit puree can still ferment in the can. So you've got a chance of a can exploding on you if it's not, you know, if it's got to keep it cold. Uh-huh. You've got to keep it at the right temperature. If you, like, buy a four-pack and put it in your trunk and forget to take it out, <laughs> there's a good chance when you open that trunk, you oh, might, wow. or you go into your car, you might think there's gunfire. That's just those four, that four-pack going <laughs> off in your trunk. <laughs> not fun. No, then you got to clean it up. Yeah, yeah it's not good. We, and we it's got, all that fruit, fruit puree. We, we, oh, got a, we got a sour that was so sweet. Um, I think one, one tall one, I don't know that we can finish it. Like, it's it's a sipper. Uh, it's like sunrise something other. Hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do with this. going to sit in the fridge and for a while huh. until somebody comes over and wants to try it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a share beer. Yeah. They can get like that sometimes. Yeah. 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 That's, that's why one of Chuck and I's favorite ways to drink beer is to, to do it with multiple people yeah. and do kind of like what we're doing right now. And every can you open, you're splitting it 
four or five ways, yeah, and then you get to you get to try a whole lot of beers. But a beer like, buffet, how, how can you yeah. go wrong? You can't. None of us are really going to end up Unless drinking more than Blue two beers by the end of it because <laughs> no. we're splitting eight beers between five people. Yeah. Now, granted, if we're drinking like some high ABV beers yeah. or like a bunch of you know barrel aged stouts and stuff, even between five people, you drink you know six or seven of those, it'll creep up on you. Specifically, they're around like ten to twelve percent. So, uh, it, the barley wines. Yes. Where does that come into? We've got one. Yeah. Not being a it's, beer anymore. It's coming. It's, it's, still it's, a beer. it's coming. It's coming. All right. It's still beer though. It's still beer. Yeah. 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 All right. Barley wine is still beer. Yes. I'm excited for this one. All right. We're now moving on to a double IPA. This is not. Fancily named, it is. It's straight up just the Flying Tiger Brewing Double IPA. Yeah, uh, keep it simple. They have some other double IPAs and IPAs out there, uh, but they did this one with Barb Rouge hops and uh, Yet hops. I never say that right. Uh, I probably just butchered it as well. <laughs> it's fine. Seven um, percent alcohol by volume, which is a little on the low side for a double IPA. Yeah, a lot of times you'll see them uh, at eight, nine, ten. Yeah, I thought like it had to be like seven and a half to truly be a double, but I mean, guess yeah, maybe, maybe it's maybe seven. It's seven. That's not nearly as hoppy as I was expecting it to be when you say it's a double yeah, IPA. So this no, is subtle. This is one of the things about the juicy hazy craze. Is that so? A double IPA, what they're actually doing, and one of the misnomers on it the double IPA is actually designed to be higher in alcohol than a regular IPA. The way you get a beer to be higher in alcohol percentage is by putting more grains in it that then ferment into, that then create more sugars that then ferment into more alcohol. So, by nature, a double IPA uses double the grains of a normal IPA, not necessarily double the hops. Uh. But then, generally, what brewers do is so that it's not out of balance to the grain side is that they then add way more hops as well to get it back to the balance that they want or even out of balance towards the hoppy side. Now, these more modern Louisiana or New England juicy, hazy IPAs, even a double IPA, you're usually still not going to get that like dank, resiny, piney, bitter hops. You're You're still just getting like... Peaches, <laughs> apricot, yeah, grapefruit. grapefruit. Yeah. yeah, this is really palatable. Like yeah. it's 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 not it's not offensive. It doesn't uh, drink like a like a most double IPAs because you're not getting that booziness. You know, it's very for like seven percent. Seven percent's not crazy at all. Yeah, and if you were drinking a nine percent, you definitely could tell the difference for sure. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, it's a yeah, it's good. a good beer. I think you're kind of right on the just like. For a double IPA, it's kind of not as robust as I was expecting. But I like that. Yeah. Like, that was appreciated. Okay. Well, good. Yeah, Flying Tiger's making some really good beer right now. Yeah, they are. But are they, they going to bring back... Uh, God, why am I drawing a blank on it? Final Resting Place? Thank you. Yep. Yeah, so are they bringing that back? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, it's in there. I think they're brewing that like for six months out of the year. Yeah, and then the other six months they're juicy. they're doing uh, yeah juicy or whatever other stuff they want to like launch at a, in a smaller window. Yeah, 
But or or maybe it's like they're doing final resting place for four months and juicy for four months, and then the other beers in the other four months or something like that. That Rob Brewer told me the schedule at one point, but it was still like it was basically they're doing final resting place and juicy, and then other stuff is just gonna like pop up. Got you. Now that's a double IPA. When you drink it, you're like, yep. It's a double IPA. Very hoppy. Everything that should be there. Hoppy, it's a little boozy. Like every, Everything that should be in that double IPA is there, but it, the flavor profile on it is stupid good. It's so good. It's definitely my – all their beers are really good. That's my favorite beer they do, hands down. So that beer we drank from Gilla on the radio show the other day. No rest in Sin City. That one had – the right amount to me of those like west coast hops on the back end yeah that like i drank that and i was like i'm drinking an ipa that's good you, i like that you need to go back and watch the facebook live of that because cliff was like did you see jay's face when he took a sip of that beer i'm like no he goes go back and look at the facebook video oh and boy dude when you took a sip like you took a sip and you went <laughs> and you looked at me and you were like looked at the glass you looked back at me and you're like have you tried this yet and i'm like i'm about to it was good, man. Yeah, dude. So that beer was really good. So we had it Thursday. Saturday, when we got to the to the casino in Biloxi, we uh, we brought some in. Uh huh. Nobody, they say we put them up. One guy said, "What kind of energy drink is that?" Like, had no clue. Uh, <laughs> I, when we were drinking them out of the can, like just like, yeah, yeah. It's energy drink, whatever. It the that little burn that was on it, like it was still a little green then, was gone. Ah. Lots of pineapple coming out of it, dude. It was drinking so well. See, I liked that that greenness. I did too. Like it was fine, but like it was completely gone, and just like the pineapple was just shining through on it. It was so good. Mm. It was a, it was a, it was a different tasting beer from Thursday to Saturday. But you can't get it because it's nice. Yeah, <laughs> it's all gone. Of course it is. They'll be making it again. I mean, that's it's story of my life. You got to be quick on stuff like that. That's the thing for like juicy, hazy beers like that. Those things, if they're if the brewery's doing a small batch of them, if you don't get in on the pre-sale, and they only have a little bit there when they open that morning, if you're not there right when they open, you're not going to get it. Mm. That's that. That's the thing with Parish. When Parish puts out something, you got to pre-order it. If it's strictly like we're going to have. Pre-orders, we may have a couple of cases at the brewery the day of. The pre-orders are going to sell out in seconds, and then whatever's at the brewery is going to sell out as soon as they open the doors. I mean, quantity-wise, how much are they brewing? I mean, is it that micro of a batch? Well, I mean, it... Some I, of them are. Yeah. Parrish is just selling that fast. They might be doing a 30-barrel batch or something. Yeah, it also depends on... But I don't, on, I don't It could be 15. It depends on their fermenters and yeah. what, what they're using. It depends on how much space they have in the brewery as well to brew that. Unless they have like a pilot system specifically just for that. I mean, I think Gilla did maybe 10 or 12 cases. Yeah. What, what Gilla's run. doing is going to be a pretty small run. Yeah. yeah they, they might be doing that and like Parrish's old setup, like a 55 gallon drum. <laughs> you know, and yeah. like how many cases of beer do you get out of a, a 55 gallon drum in the, in, in the end? Like, right. not that many. Yeah. Now, Parrish isn't doing anything in, in something that small anymore. No, no. They've got, they've got the room to do whatever they want to do. So. I'm still I'm curious about this Dr. Hoptagon. Yeah. Like 
uh, I didn't see much on the church about it, and it started popping up like reviews were saying it was hoppier than they remembered it being. Because I don't remember that beer being that hoppy at all way back in the day. And they st- apparently still have a lot left at the brewery. So like all a, these people that were asking. Is it a black IPA? Is yeah, it's that a the black style? IPA. Because remember, it came I mean, out. I remember having it. It came out at the same ago. time that um, the Root Guru came out for 10 Roots. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's Pelican Houses when we were drinking that beer. So that cool. tells you how long ago it was. Do miss me some Pelican House. It had a, it had a good run. Yeah. It had, it had, I did it. Yeah. It was short-lived. God, what was the thing they did? It was like there was some kind of craft beer thing going on. Oh, and then the, they did an event there where they had like like nude women in there that were doing body painting on and stuff like that. Remember that? I oh. absolutely remember it. And it was that so one. weird. Yeah. The whole, was, how so they did it was weird. They had... They had like naked sushi being served, and then they had yeah. girls from the penthouse club yes. walking around like passing out free entry to the penthouse coupons. And it was just like, dudes, like we came for this beer thing, right. which they weren't passing and, like, out. They didn't have free samples. You had to pay for the beer that you wanted to drink. And and half the not that not that ladies can't enjoy a good strip club or something like that by any means because they absolutely can. Sure, but like half the people that had tickets to this beer fest were women, and and then they get to the Pelican House and it's just like it felt like you walked into the penthouse. Yeah, and it was just like, what is happening here? I, rem- I was, I, dude, I, it was. I didn't like it. I awkward. thought it was weird as hell. <laughs> it was. We, I was working at Tin Roof at the time running the tap room. We had an event o- over there. But a lot of our people were at this other event that ended up going to the Pelican House. So I met them when what was, uh, what was the beer? Corporate Brewing Draft was open. Yeah. And uh, went there to meet everybody. And they were like, dude, did you go to the Pelican House? I'm like, no, nah, man, I've been working at Tin Roof. And they were like, bro. And everybody was just like, I don't know what the hell's going on over there. They got strippers walking around with body paint, naked sushi going on. Like, <laughs> you got to pay for the beers. They don't even have free samples of anything. It's like, what? And they were charging people like 25 bucks a head or something to get in. It was it was just a shit show from start to finish. Sounds like it. Yeah. One of those ideas that sound good when you're drunk and then uh, you just never. That doesn't even sound good when you're drunk, I don't think. Like, <laughs> just I don't... pull back the reins. I want to go pay twenty five bucks to not drink free beer and see body some some strippers wearing body paint naked sushi. Yeah. So no, Na- naked sushi just doesn't sound good to, no. to start. No, 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 no. I mean, don't I don't know, where that, tribe, I don't know baby, where that girl's but... been. Yeah, <laughs> they came from the penthouse. Who knows what's going on? All right, we're moving to the dark beers now. The dark side of the force. The dark side. This is Noir from Bayou Tesh, the LA31 Noir. I love this beer. The dark, the black. Uh, so this is Bayou Tesh's version of a traditional porter. So a porter uh, comes from London, uh, and it is a meant to be a balance of hops but not west coast or hazy juicy hops more you know german style boring hops the same hops you would find in like a budweiser or something nothing Uh, flashy 
so you're not going to get citrus notes from the hops and things like that. But but it's it's roasty, toasty malts. It's very caramel. And some hops yeah. that don't quite put that to you. It this this is where the beer kind of starts to go more in that coffee direction. You do get a little bit of that caramel because you get the the toastiness and the grains is bringing out some sweetness in the grains before you actually make the beer with it. Um, porters are uh, traditionally a little bit lower in alcohol percentage. They were really almost considered to be the the working class beer of London and, and all of England. Like you can drink a lot of them and it doesn't totally knock you out. Yeah. Uh it it's it it's just dark beer. You it's know? tasty. It's noir. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we've gotten this one before. It tastes familiar. Most of your just porters should yeah. should ultimately taste similar to this. Yeah. Not exactly like it. But it, it, that bready sweetness is there. Um maybe maybe going towards the rye or, or rye bread, pumpernickel kind of stuff. I mean you get that darkness out of it. But then it's it's just beer. Yeah. You know, like this is this is just liquid bread. Yeah. You know, that's all that's all it is. It's like that it's like that little little bread you get when you go to Outback. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. This yeah, this is Outback bread yeah, in liquefied. a liquid form. <laughs> yeah. It's totally what it is. Man, I ain't I, mad at it. I, for I, sure. I would have believed it too. I'm like, man, I love that bread. No, that's uh, good. Dude, it's, good. it's good bread. I almost want some butter with it. I'm going to Outback and just order bread. <laughs> like how many how many how many of these breads can I get? Well, you gotta get a blooming onion too, yeah, mate. Uh, I mean yeah. But I mean I don't normally go to Outback when I want, you know, anything either. If I'm thinking steak, we're going well, to Doe's. Well, yeah, I reckon. When's the last time you had a Bloomin' Onion, Jay? Right. And is that even – do they have the they have the Awesome Blossom? Oh, that is Isn't the Bloomin' Onion at Chili's? Chili's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Awesome Blossom. The Awesome Blossom, mate. When is Tim from Australia coming back? When can he get in the country? <laughs> Dude, yeah. Tim, oh, man. Tim hadn't uh, been around since pre-pandemic. Can we get him to call into the show? Yeah. I'm sure we can. Let's make that happen. I wonder what's going on in Australia. I uh, do. It's a great idea. I miss Tim. Yeah, we need to make it happen. I, I had to name podcast, my Dungeons and Dragons him. character after him because I miss did. him so much. You did. I love the Australian accent. It's it's almost hard to take them serious, you know, <laughs> even when they're mad. It almost sounds like they're asking a question all the time. Yeah. <laughs> the inflection at the end every yeah. time. I find Australians and, and, and Southerns get Feeling along good. well. It's like we're, oh, yeah. we're, we're cut from the same bolt of cloth and then Absolutely. we're separating. Like, I feel like we may be related. Yeah, <laughs> we're kindred spirits. We are. I. We really are. All right, Jay. So, what are we moving on to next, sir? Well, we're going to go to a stout. Ooh! But uh, I reckon that, uh, that since we just did a standard porter, mm-hmm. uh, the Bayutesh Noir, that we would we would change it up uh, with the stout a little bit. So we actually have a beer called Stagger Homeward. This is an imperial milk stout. Oh, yeah. So a double IPA is actually an imperial India pale ale. Yeah. That's the, the double. It's double the grains. It's all that. But, but imperial is basically the same thing as saying double. right? So anytime you see an imperial porter, an imperial IPA, an imperial stout, you're getting something that is intentionally extra grained so they create extra alcohol and you're going to get 
the malty side of it coming out even more. And then if it's an IPA, they're probably balancing it with the hoppy side of it. If it's a stout, they're not. They're just using roasted, toasted, deliciously coffee-style, dark roast coffee grains. And this one is a milk stout. And anytime you see the word milk in beer, what it actually means is that they're using lactose. They're using the milk sugars to create additional body and sweetness in the beer. A little creaminess. Yeah. Which is in that white stout, which is probably why I like it so much. It gives it that. They might, yeah. I mean, they yeah, may that put white some stout is going to be brewed with with coffee, with literal coffee, and lactose. This one, as an imperial stout, if you remember the the double IPA, the imperial IPA that we had was seven percent. This one is ten percent alcohol by volume. This is from Great Raft Brewing up in Shreveport. We had the Commotion American Pale Ale from them as well. But I've had this stagger homeward in my fridge for a little while now and decided to share it with y'all. Yay. Thanks, man. Absolutely. I like the name. Yeah. So like a stout, unlike IPAs, uh, you can let them age longer. Specifically an, uh, an imperial stout or like a barrel-aged stout because that, that profile is just going to get better and better as it ages. Also, letting it warm up is going to open it up more as well. With an IPA, if an IPA sits a while, that hot profile is going to get lost. So you just basically get like sometimes pale ale, but like the true style, the true flavor notes that you'd want to get off that IPA would be gone probably. This I can almost put over vanilla ice cream. Uh huh. You're gonna get that once you start to get into those those imperial stouts, and then especially with the milk stout, and then you get them where it's like coffee and current and cherry and i mean yes. like there's stouts pastry stouts is what they're calling it now yeah. where they're essentially saying let's brew stout beers with throwing desserts in them yeah like pretty much abita just came out with a chocolate de Berge stout i've yeah. heard and i've heard nothing but good stuff about it so that's kind yeah. of like a pastry stout yeah, somebody out there is putting like literally buying cases of honey buns and yeah. putting honey buns in the tanks and making a honey bun stout or something like chocolate cheesecake. We've talked to Rally Cat Brewing about nobody take this idea; it's mine, <laughs> <laughs> ours. But if me and Chuck aren't a part of it, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna go head hunting. Yeah, we will. We're gonna get BRQ to bake a whole lot of carrot cakes, and we're gonna bring that to. Rally Cap Brewing and get them to do a carrot cake stout with yes. BRQ carrot cake. And so it'll be like a, a Jay and Chuck BRQ Rally Cap three-way collaboration and it's going to be a carrot cake stout. I want, now, I, I want to try that. Yeah. Yeah, so do we. We're going <laughs> to We're going to do it. Into existence. We're going to do it. I, I need to actually connect the dots and make that happen now that Rally Cap's starting to open back up. We talked about this a year ago. Yeah, we did. And then Rally Cap really, I mean, breweries around here really struggled with the pandemic and not really being able to open their tap rooms. And a beer like that is going to be a tap room only release. And they had to focus for six to eight months. They had to pretty much entirely shift their focus to distribution and the beers that they could get out in supermarkets and stuff because they weren't selling beers to bars and they weren't able to have their tap room open for customers. Now, their tap rooms at 
50% or whatever, and, and their outdoor seating is great. Springtime, they still have the distribution going out there, but bars and restaurants are open back up, so they're doing more fun stuff again. Yeah. So now really is the time. Uh, they're actually bringing back their uh, white stout that they did uh, with my stuff with Cafecito, the Windy Peppercorn. That's a good one. That's that's coming back for MLB opening day. I can't wait to have that. Yeah, I, missed it. I, I missed it the first run. Oh, gotcha. You missed it the first yeah. run. Totally I've, did. I've well, got cool. a good idea for a Christmas beer I want to do. Go on. And just my idea, y'all don't take this one. I want to do a white chocolate peppermint bark stout. I drink I wanna, that too. I want to call it Barking Up the Christmas Tree. Huh. I like it. You do that, Chuck. I want to do that. I'll I drink do it. that beer. I don't know. I don't know who who I'm going to get to, to con, who I'm going to convince to get it done, but I'm going to make it happen. All right. So getting back uh, to what we're drinking now, though, this beer from Great Raft. Uh, Hanson, I believe you said it, like you could pour it over chop. You pour it over ice cream. Absolutely, like it's, it's I'd, I'd be I'd be good. really happy. I, I didn't even know this thing until the make a beer float. The, the cove and the cove really turned me on to pouring beer over ice cream. <laughs> Didn't know it was a thing. I'm like, wow, that's that's where it's at. Stephen Hightower used to have a uh, place over off of Nicholson. Leroy's. Leroy's. They used to do beer floats. Yep. I remember that. They were pretty good. I had a uh, – it was a tin roof one. I don't remember. I think it was – it might have been with the parade ground. They did a they did huh. a beer float, and it was really good. Oh, that coffee, that coffee stout? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, well, that's, it's a, it's, that's a porter. That's a porter. Yeah. That's a breakfast beer there. That's yeah. – all you need is a can of that. You're good. You're good till noon. Yeah. Me and Jay used to like hog that beer. Like we go buy it and store it. So yeah. We could drink it that, around. That was definitely <laughs> our favorite tin roof beer for yeah. a while. Uh, if you've never had it, something tells me you probably haven't. Uh, the Rev Coffee Stout from Parish Brewing Ooh. Company. I don't that, think I have. Bro. Next time it's out there, we'll we'll get you some. Awesome. As into coffee as you are. It's basically like drinking a Dude. cold brew coffee with with alcohol in it. I'm in. It is. It's so good. It's just it's next level coffee beer. Yeah, you want to like waking up in the morning and drinking it for breakfast? That's the beer. Mm. It's hands down the the best coffee beer out there. I mean, yeah. it's just stupid good. Mm. Hurry up, parents, and make some more. Yeah, make more. Is that like a seasonal release or just kind of a random when they feel I like it? it was, or? I thought they had made it a year round thing. Yeah, I don't know. Because there's not a coffee season, you know? No, no, coffee's all... <laughs> but, like, stouts... There that, is from an agricultural perspective. Yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> you just because blew Hansen's yeah, like, mind. Because I, I buy my green beans from, like, all over the world, so... Yeah. What is coffee season? Um... I believe it's typically in the spring that coffee is harvested, at least oh. nor- northern hemisphere spring. Right, that's what I, I buy my coffee from all over the world, so their spring's so, different than my spring. Southern hemisphere sure. is probably different because yeah. their spring is different. Yeah, um, which would mean that you can get coffee from somewhere in the world year round that's fresh. But also, um, when coffee is green, it doesn't change that much. Not, not really. Yeah. It doesn't like once you roast it, then it can get stale. Especially once you grind it, then it really gets stale fast. Yes. But when it's green before you roast it, it. They say I can it's store okay. for years because it's, it's dried out. Uh, it's dried well, and to a point. Yeah. Yeah. It's still yeah. at thirty-five percent moisture or something like that. They dry yeah. it too. Yeah. So, I mean, there's still moisture in there, but they say I can, I can store it for up to a year or two and I keep it in my, my closet. 
Because I mean, as a home as a home brewer, I have like thirty pounds of coffee, green coffee, in my closet yeah. that I pull from, and I'm pretty sure it's not going to go bad. Nah, it's <laughs> it's not going to go bad green. Right? Not for a couple of years, probably. Right. Like, I mean, at some point, it won't last a couple. It of years. isn't going to be as fresh <laughs> as it once was. Yeah. But sounds like we need to get Hanson over to Cafecito and yeah, I would. I would, not, I would love to check their roasting out. Uh, beans. Yeah, Cavacito Coffee, which is proud sponsors of the ABV podcast. Oh, are uh, they? I didn't know. So before I started roasting my own coffee, that's because they were available in, in Oak Point. Uh, yeah. And I was, you know, I was flipping the bags when this shit was roasted. And I was like, no, this one. Go all the way to the back. I'm like, yeah, that's the one I want. And yeah. uh, that's where we started to get into to, to good coffee. Uh, was was theirs out of Oak Point. Yeah. Uh, that was probably some of the last retail coffee I purchased. I would say you could join me next week, but I'm not going to be doing a podcast there on their roasting night. I'm going to be doing a podcast there on Tuesday. They normally roast on, on Mondays. Is that right, Jay? Mondays. Yeah, so I'm doing one on Tuesday. And they've started doing it a little bit earlier now, so it's actually hard for us to go after uh, the radio show. That's true. The last time we went over there and did something, they were just finishing up the roasting, and they were bagging coffee. Yeah. So, yeah, we missed out on That's it. what they told me. The last time I had them roast some of mine. I was just like, cool, I can come over after the radio show. And they were like, you can come over, but we're probably going to be done like by 6.30 by the time you could get there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well. But just the smell in never that room mind. is just like, oh, so good. My first real job was coffee call, so that smell oh, of. really? Yeah, okay. that's, wow. At 14, that was. John Canatella was your boss over there? He sure was. Oh, John. Yeah. Me, me and John go way back. Yeah, he's, 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 he's still a client and a good friend and somebody yeah. I talk to regularly. He's uh, the whole family stuff. Oh, the whole family's they, great. They, they're they're all really good people. Are. I, I can't say bad things. Oh. Now, Man, I does some, sound good. now I want that this, chicken sausage that, gumbo they got over there. I want beignets and I want a half and half cafe au lait hot chocolate. Mm, that's doable. Yeah, it's not far away. <laughs> You're right. It's right over. The, it's right over <laughs> that way. So Jay, what's our uh, what's our next? Is this ah, our last yes. beer? We're go, we're going to the last one. Okay. So Unless we're then going to go backwards after our palates are ruined, but I mean, you know, we can. I've done worse things in my life. Yeah, we can do whatever. I kind of figured that um, timing wise, one more would kind of be where we wanted to finish this podcast, and then yeah. if we want to keep drinking, uh, we can always do that. That's a thing. So I'm breaking out uh, a treat. Ooh. A real treat. We mentioned barley wine earlier. And I have a collection spanning the years going back to year one of Parish Brewing Company's Grand Reserve, which was 2012. Yep. What year is that when you This go? beer is a 2013. Ooh. A 2013 Parish Grand Reserved Cellared Annual Ale. This is a bottle-conditioned barley wine from Parish Brewing Company. It says, Patience, Grand Reserve should be saved and shared. Brewed only once per year, our barley wine ale is characterized by an intensely complex malt, hop, and fermentation profile. Naturally carbonated, it will age gracefully when cellared. So this is the 2013 vintage of the Parish Brewing Company barley wine. I am excited for that. pretty special now, Grand by the way. Reserve. Look. And this was bottle number... Ooh, I probably shouldn't have opened this one. No, that's that's your. <laughs> it's uh, 
It's the year 2013. It's bottle number 1,830. Okay, yeah. All of the the other two bottles that I had left from that year are both ones in the 400s and ones in the 700s or something. Yeah. I don't know how many they did. This is number 1,830. I would guess they didn't do too many more than 2,000 bottles back in 2013 of this. I think the last one that I had, my last one that I drank, was a couple years ago on uh, it was like for a friend's giving, and it was the 2017 maybe. Okay. I'm trying to think because they, they skipped a year. Yeah. And I don't remember if it was 15 or 16, but one of the years they skipped it, they didn't make it. I know my brother and I drank one out of my collection uh, at Christmas time, so Christmas 2020. Oh my God, but I, and I think so I think that was probably a 14 or 15. Yeah, um, I think I have them. I'd probably be able to tell which year they stopped doing or they they skipped a year because yeah. I think I had at least one per year up until mm. that year, and then when they skipped a year, I didn't have that year, and then I just kind of stopped making sure I had one. Yeah, yeah, because I wasn't drinking them fast enough, like. I'm glad I've saved some of these. I'm glad in 2021 I'm drinking a Parish Grand Reserve from 2013. I still have one, I believe, from 2012. That was the first year that they did it. That one I could probably trade on the Louisiana oh, beer market dude. for a good bit right now. Oh, yeah. um, Buddy Etheridge has one from each year. Yeah. Also, like he's got some verticals of Bourbon County from the last 10 years, I think. He's been wanting to do a podcast to drink those. Yeah. I need to get in touch with Buddy. So this is almost like ginseng-y, ginseng-y tasting. Ginseng tasting. Like that, that's that's kinda of, that's kinda of what I get. It's so that's Belgian yeast gives gives funk. Yeah. There are strains of Belgian yeast that would be used in farmhouse style ales, um, and other traditional Belgian beers. That can kind of give notes of banana and clove and things like that, and, and this one maybe isn't necessarily going in that direction. But like, the Belgians are the are the ones that their monastery Trappist brewing like they have cultures of yeast that go back hundreds of years yeah. that are like proprietary to this one monastery, and like what defines their beer isn't the hops, isn't the grain, it's the yeast. Yeah, and it's the yeast that they're using to, to brew different styles of beer. So is it like a bread where they have a mother that they're literally yeah, keeping alive? That, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly how they do it, and uh, and and then they they'll do different ones for different styles of beer that they're doing. But that the farmhouse style that you'll hear of from time to time is almost in in, in Belgian beer talk. It's like a natural fermentation process. Uh, that's that's just a, like a different than like. Here's my store bought yeast, and I'm just pitching it, you know. And it's uh, so it's it's more just like the the yeast and the bacteria that's naturally in the air, and they just let that do the fermentation. Um, that it's harder to be as consistent with. I mean, that's where micro brews come into play, right? Because like every one's going to be a little different, and yep. which kind of leads me to my next question: Is <clears throat> every year is this going to be like wine, where the conditions of the soil, the season, is going to reflect in the bottle? No. Not really, no. because the the way that grains work compared to the way that grapes work Completely are just different. so much more consistent. Like. Gotcha. 
wheat every year tastes like wheat every so year. So you pop open all those bottles, you probably wouldn't be able to tell the year difference or... Uh, probably not. Now, they, if they brewed it a little bit different way, or if they used a different strain of yeast that year, or if they changed that grain bill or the hop profile, maybe to a degree. But generally speaking, Paris Brewing and the Grand Reserve, uh, I think they've probably been fairly consistent with the the profile of that barley wine so the the grains probably haven't changed much uh, the biggest change would be if they change the strain of yeast that they're using yeah at, from one year to the next but that's a delicious beer i get yeah uh, it, I, it's, I get a lot it's of very raisin complex. on it yeah it's a lot of raisin on it like fruit cake yeah in a good way oh yeah for sure not like you know you want to throw it away it's it's, it's hard to use fruit cake <laughs> as a description <laughs> well, some people don't like fruit cake yeah Raisin, who really like likes fruitcake? Oh, no, plum. I've never met a fruitcake that I really liked, right? You know, and I've had fruitcakes that were edible, right? Yeah, yeah, I can finish it, but I'm not going to say, you know what, I want, I want some more of that. Fruit. Well, yeah. <laughs> Another piece of fruitcake, please. <laughs> but carrot cake, on the other hand, now carrot cake Ooh, that's that's what that's one of my favorites. I do love and carrot I haven't cake. had the one from uh, give me a bill BRQ. You've never had BRQ what? carrot cake. N- so you don't we, even know what I'm talking about when oh I say I want God. BRQ carrot cakes. No, now. but I've heard so many people talk about it. I know it's got to be amazing. It, dude, it's that cake. Like, all right, so it's a barbecue restaurant. All oh, right, we've been so you, there. So the barbecue's great, but I would literally just go there and eat carrot cake. Oh, dude, and be perfectly happy with it. Like, I'll, I'll give like, me that giant. How much for one rib? And then I want a wedge. <laughs> one rib to satisfy my barbecue face. And then a wedge of carrot cake. And then a wedge of carrot cake. Yeah. I like it. All right, so next time uh, we usually when, when Chuck and I go there, usually what happens is we get a smorgasbord thrown out at us. Yeah. And we eat ourselves until we're miserable. And then they send out the carrot cake, and we're just like, well, we can't not. So if you're listening, they want to start with the carrot cake yes. before. It's <laughs> a great idea. Uh, your appetizers, uh, a carrot cake. Carrot cake. Yeah. We call that adulting around our house. And the carrot cake literally <laughs> is big enough to like five people could share it. Oh, yeah. But, but you don't want to. But me and Jay won't. Me and Jay will eat it ourselves and <laughs> be perfectly fine with it because that's who we are. All right. Well, I'm getting it. Probably the first thing I order when I next time I go to BRQ will be the carrot cake. Yeah. I'm going to start off with it. Maybe be my lunch. Ask to talk to Chef Justin Ferguson, and yeah. then when he comes out, Tell say, Jay and, say Jay and Chuck sent me for carrot cake. I will definitely. Uh, and then see if you can convince him to pull down some sort of whiskey off the top shelf. That's what I want to do. Because he's going to have, like, McAllen 30 yeah. oh, wow. and uh, Middleton Very Rare, Dude, which is my favorite Irish whiskey I've ever tasted. We need to talk with him about doing a podcast there with the whiskeys. Yes. That way we can He's yes. going to say yes to that. That way we get carrot cake and barbecue. <laughs> and whiskey. Yeah, and whiskey. So Line it up. how it worked that handsome. Like, it's like, we're going to do this. I'm going to reach out to him and say, hey, man. I like the way that works. Yeah, I like the way that works. He's going to say yes. Of course he is. This is drinking exceptionally. This is so good. Yeah, this is super tasty. I've yeah. only had a few barley wines, and the first one I had, I don't even know what it was. and uh, Actually, I don't know what any of them were. But the first one almost made me never want to try a barley wine again. Like, well, I was like, huh. it was, it, it tastes like syrup. It was so, it was so heavy in the mouth. Okay. It was, but then I had another one because I don't, I won't nick something off of the first bad experience. Yeah. We've got a rule. We got, we'll do it three times. You know, like you've got to burn me three times. I got to try it three. I got to try <laughs> three it. different ones. And if, if I try three different barley wines and I don't like them, yeah. barley wine's not for me. But the second and third, I really liked. So it's a good thing you had that rule for pig ears. 
Yes. Oh, man. Speaking of pig ears. Oh, all right. Those should be a part of the regular menu items because I was craving them today while I was all, sitting there. All three of the the happy hour menu items should be regular menu items because yeah. the yuca fries are incredible. Then they lose their special. Then you make new ones. All right. Here's the... <laughs> I'm just saying. There is there is a good chance, oh. and it could still be a couple months away, but there's a good chance that when we revamp the food menu... Uh, at approximately the beginning of the summer, oh. the the taquitos will be full time. Yes. Our vegetarian taco. We're gonna mm. we're gonna we're gonna drop the uh, sweet potato mole taco, what? and we're gonna put a yuca fries taco yes. on the menu. I'm fine with that. Yeah, <laughs> the, the yuca fries are delicious. Like I know we always boast about the taquitos and the no, big the yuca fries are really good, but, dude. Yeah, the, the, the yuca fries are right up there. The problem is I have a trouble eating all three in no, one I sitting. I got eat all that. So we do taquitos, we do the pig's ears, we do a margarita. And maybe a taco. And by that point, I'm ready to be rolled out of there. Nah, bro. I wouldn't the know that. pig ears, <laughs> I'm almost certain, are going to stay happy hour. But I think maybe even, we're recording this on a Wednesday. I know it's not going to air on a Wednesday. No. But I think maybe even starting tomorrow for happy hour all day, we're letting the food be part of all day happy hour. As it should. So on Thursdays... <laughs> We just needed to make sure that we yeah, we could handle exactly, it and that we could sure. prep properly and that we could we we had the space in the fridge underneath the fryer to to have pig ears there all day. So I I believe that starting immediately pretty much that on Thursdays when it's happy hour all day that's going to include the happy hour snacks. So, so only on Thursdays. Tomorrow. I'm going to go government talking. I'm very excited that tomorrow at seven o'clock I will be there. For a while, we're going there to celebrate my mother's birthday. There you go, and it's happy hour all day. It's happy hour all day. They get to have the pig ears that we talk so much, uh, so much about. Yeah. Uh, taquitos yeah. that welcome can't seem That's to live it. without. Happy hour all day on Thursdays. A government taco proud sponsor of the ABV podcast. So there you go. All right, guys, that's it. We drank all the beers. So Hanson, I hope you learned something. I did. I I, I really did, and I, I look forward to. First off, getting that little bitter um, map, and I'm keeping it on my cell phone so I can take a look at it and, and reference it. Cause there you go. I, I think I like a uh, 50 to 60 is going to yeah. be my, my hoppy range. Uh, okay. you know, with I my, think that's fair. With, with, my, with my training wheels getting into the, to the, the hoppy range. Well, maybe next time we do an episode, we'll have a, some IPAs and double IPAs, and we'll, you know, we'll gauge that range for you. Yeah, yeah so I, I wouldn't. Told, I wouldn't mind actually like going to pick up a six pack of Stone or Lagunitas or something just to like actually do a side by side comparison of like this is a West Coast IPA, this is a Louisiana version of a New England IPA. Yeah, that's exactly like, what I want to see. Now, like now you're sides. getting the piney, resiny hops versus the citrusy, juicy hops. And I could probably like get with Cliff and get like a focal banger or a heady topper or something like yeah. that, so we can. Some real yeah. West Coast. So, oh, so tank. we did. So right now, me and my buddy Cliff. Well, Hetty Toppers. That's New England, right? Yeah, that's New England. Yeah. So like, to, it's like Pliny, to, Pliny's West Coast. Yeah, Pliny's West Coast. Yeah. So we were doing we're doing a craft beer bracket for March Madness or whatever. So we've done Pilsner's Lagers. We did sours. We just did double IPAs, and we had a double dry hop Pliny the Elder. What? Yeah, and it was it was really really good. Not as dank. Yeah. Some of it was still there, and you could like the bad thing was like it was a blind taste test. But as soon as they 
brought that one out, me and Cliff were both like, that's Pliny. Because everything else was super hazy. I'm like, it looks like a Pliny. It's thin, like it just it doesn't, you can see through it, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> but Pliny the Elder for West Coast IPAs is like the godfather of West Coast IPAs. That thing is like traded for still to this day. Yep. Still traded for, highly sought after because it's not a large release. It's in a limited area, and there's also a Pliny the Younger they do that's only available at Russian Rivers Tap Room in San Francisco. You have to get it there. So, like, Pliny is the big West Coast style, and then for the East Coast, you have the Alchemist, which has Focal Banger and Hetty Topper, which are, like, the kings of the New England-style IPA. Ghost is good enough to trade for either of those beers. Yep. That's how good Ghost has become. Like, people trade Hetty Topper or Treehouse or Trillium or anything like that for Ghost in the Machine. You say trade. There's a beer trading network where you just kind of swap swap beer. Like, people are like, hey, you got this beer that I want, you don't really like it, so here you go. There's 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 boards there's yeah. boards you can find. Them. I mean it's kind of how I buy my firearms. It's well, and the it's same just, way. they have them for whiskeys. Yeah. They have. Yeah. Them, I mean it's for everything. Well, beer in that way is so is so regional, right? Like yeah, Parish Brewing Company it distributes out of Louisiana slightly right now, but it's in Disney World right now. I saw somebody put no it way in Epcot in the American Pavilion. Ghost in the Machine on tap. Wow, that's I was pretty gonna awesome. Say, Florida is one of the states they are distributing to, but yeah. Um, but generally speaking, if you're in New Hampshire, you can't get so these beer Louisiana boards you can beers. trade. Yeah. So it's it's people in Louisiana. They're like, I can go to the grocery store and buy Ghost of the Machine, and people in Vermont that are like, I can go to the grocery store and buy this, you know, or go to the brewery and pick it up. You know, it's yeah. not that sounds like a club I need to be a part of. Yeah, it's like my alley. Trillium, Treehouse, Alchemist. They don't distribute their beers. You have to go to the ta- their tap rooms and buy these beers. They're not in stores. So it's like like Cypress, like yeah, yeah. You see people show up with like like four, not forklifts. I don't want to say forklifts, but like uh, we're still recording. What am I? What am I? What am I looking for? Yeah, what? What's going on with you over there yapping? I didn't stop. What's going on? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> uh, baby, come back. Like with people showing up with like dolly carts buying cases and cases of this beer and they're taking that beer and they're trading or selling them on you know these boards is that legal Uh, uh, trade is probably not that frowned upon selling and not giving the government its taxes would be yeah but honestly, if you're like buying that. it from an uh, from an official retailer that's collecting their taxes, taxes your, then the government's collecting its taxes. Yeah. It's getting excise taxes. It's getting whatever else taxes. It's getting its sales taxes. So then, you know, for you to trade it, and then the post office gets a little bit because of this. You know, so yeah. it's, there's there's a little more going into it. Yeah, it, it's we'll talk about this more outside the podcast. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, 
Hanson, I'm glad you could join us. Man, thanks for, for having me. It's, great. it's been enlightening. Uh, I, I can't wait to learn a little bit more about it, too. You definitely will. Jay, thanks for hosting and having all the beers for us to try. Yes, sir. Glad we got to drink some of my supply. Yeah. yeah. You, I mean, yeah, you I have feel, a big supply. I feel, like we too helped, much. I feel like we helped you out, actually. You did. Like, you know, I, we, we, we put drank, a small dent. Yeah. We drank eight beers, and that helps, a, <laughs> that, that helps eight. Yeah. Yeah. That's, there's eight more that he didn't throw about drinking. Uh, eight out of several hundred, but, you know, it's still eight. <laughs> there you it's go. Still eight. And tomorrow I'm going to acquire three. Three more cases, I'm sure. Yeah, or by you know by we're, next week, we're getting Doctor Hoptagon tomorrow. So yeah, yeah. these first world problems, huh? First world problems. Yeah, my Jay fir- Cody problems. My first it? world problem is that I I acquire more free alcohol than I could ever drink. Yes, uh, it's a shame. And I can drink a lot. He can. Well, I'm glad we were able to help take at least eight off your hands. <laughs> there you go. Don't forget to uh, follow Government Taco on all the social media on Facebook, on Instagram, so you can keep up with new menu changes and all those things. Specials going on during Lent. You're doing different tacos on Fridays for mm, Lent. Yep, for the tacos. rest of Lent. Yeah. So there you go. So follow Government Taco Facebook, Instagram. You can follow Jay Jay Dakota uh, page on Facebook as well. And, and is it just is your personal on Instagram or is it just your? Uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's just Jay Dakota on Instagram. But Government Tacos on there as well, yep. so you can follow both of those. Uh, follow the ABV podcast on Facebook on Instagram as well. Hanson, go to uh, Computer Heaven. Yes, sir. If you have any computer needs, we'll take care of you. Oh, I'm going to send you with a couple uh, old laptops right now. <laughs> there you go. I got a hard drive I need to get some pictures off of. I don't, Do I don't, all that. I don't know if the hard drive is any, if it even works. So I'll get with you on that. Anyway, Computer Heaven, check them out. They're on. You guys are on Facebook as well. Right? Absolutely. There you go. And computerheaven.com, I would think, is Correct. the website. There you go. Check 577 Oak Villa Boulevard, right next to the deconstruction that's going on with the Amazon. Oh, yeah. 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 Down down it's beautiful. I drove by today and just kind of showed my sons, like, this is where we used to, this is our old stopping yeah. ground. used to hang out, right? <laughs> I used to hang out at the record bar right on this side of the mall. Uh, also, don't forget to check out our sponsors, Cafecito Coffee Roasters, Pelican mm. Craft Brands. Yeah. Uh, Athlon Insurance, Hops in the Hollows, if you want some really cool uh, glassware for your beers. Government Taco as well. Uh, check out PreSonus Audio as well because they power the podcast, microphones, recording software, recording unit. Everything is powered by PreSonus Audio. Check them out as well, PreSonus.com. Until next time, I am Chuck P. for the ABV Podcast. Cheers. Cheers.